Hello and welcome to Valley West Cinemas. I'm your host Aaron and this is the podcast where we take a group of related films and eliminate all but three. I have my list and my red pen ready because today we're talking about Star Wars. The films we'll be discussing today are Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, Episode 1, The Phantom Menace, Episode 2, Attack of the Clones, Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, Star Wars, The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, The Rise of Skywalker, Solo, Rogue One, Star Wars, The Clone Wars, and, very briefly, The Christmas Special. Joining me is my friend Sean. Hello, Aaron. (laughs) Other than our, our mutual friend Bob, you're probably the biggest Star Wars fan that I know. In fact, before this podcast, you were Googling who's going to be in the Obi-Wan show. (laughs) Uh, True. Okay, so do you remember Star Wars entering your life, or has it just like always been there? Um, Well, first, I want to point out you did leave off the acclaimed uh, Ewok movies. Oh, yeah, no, no, we we are not discussing the Ewok movies. Those aren't even worthy of the list, then, is what you're saying? Did they go to theaters? I don't believe so. Yeah, no, forget those Ewok movies. Okay. Like, I had a Wicked Doll as a kid, but we're not talking about the Ewoks. Okay. All right. Yeah. No Caravan of Courage, then. Got it. Oh, I didn't even know that was his name. (laughs) Yes. What's the other one? Uh, Wow, I can't remember, actually. Oh, you're not a fan. (laughs) Sorry. Caravan of Courage and Battle for Endor. Okay. So do you remember like when you first became a Star Wars fan, or is it just was it just always there? Um, I think I became a fan of the toys first and then somewhere between when the first one came out was probably too young i never really saw that in theaters and then i did see empire is one of my first movies i ever saw but in between those two the toys the toys are what really got me into it i had some ewok toys i think i still might even have them I remember the the movies being on VHS all the time. Yep, I remember that re-releases constantly. And, yeah. And my mother tells me that Empire Strikes Back was the first movie I ever saw, but I would have been a very 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 small infant. So <laughs> Well, it's possible because back in those days when they first came out, they didn't even really have VHS. VHS took off, I want to say like 86. Yeah, 84 to 86 is really yeah. like boom. So they'd re-release it. It'd play in the theaters for mm-hmm. years, you yeah. know, and they'd re-release it. So it's possible. Yeah. I mean, we had a theater out here that played the original Star Wars for over a year and a half and never left. Wow. Oh, it's worth pointing out, too, that as we discuss these, when I say Star Wars, I'm talking about the original film. I'm not doing any of this revisionist branding that Lucasfilm has done. Star Wars is called Star Wars. The Empire Strikes Back is called The Empire Strikes Back. Star Wars is not episode four. It's not a <laughs> new hope. You can slap that on a box all you want. That is not the title of the film. You can't change the title 25 years later. The special edition came out. It was Star Wars, the special edition. It wasn't Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope, the special edition. It's Star Wars. In fact, even, even the sequel trilogy dropped the episode naming convention. Like It was Star Wars, The Force Awakens. It wasn't Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens. Just the prequel trilogy did that. Uh, yeah, I won't get into semantics on the titles. There's a connective thread through all the movies that... The episode numbers help to inform the audience which order to watch the films. Although I would argue that that connective thread somewhat deteriorated in the sequel trilogy. But the episode naming convention is in The Crawl, of course, but a movie title is a movie title. So I would argue those semantics. But moving on, (laughs) uh, something you did point out, though, as far as the order of watch, I've seen on the Internet a lot in the last few years, people arguing over what is the proper order to watch the films like in order to keep the reveals a secret about Anakin. And so if you don't know the series, watch one and two and then four, five, six, and then three. 
I definitely have an opinion, but what's your opinion on the order of watching these films? If no one's has seen the Star Wars movie, what order should they watch the films? They should watch uh, prequels, original trilogy, and then... You think uh, they should watch the prequels The sequel first? trilogy. Absolutely. Yes. No! No! Yes. And then I also think if you really want to be no. a completionist, you should also watch um, all of the stuff in between. So before episode four or A New Hope or Star Wars, as you want to call it, I would actually uh, watch Rogue One because it's a great prequel to – it runs right up to the beginning of Star Wars. Oh, man. You, you used a G word that I am not going to be using <laughs> when we talk about Rogue One. But no, but don't you think that people should watch and fall in love with, with these movies the same order that the rest of the world did? They didn't become popular because they did the prequels first. They, they became popular because they did Star Wars, Empire, and Jedi. Why shouldn't everyone else watch them in release order as well? You kind of, uh, you know, you lose the the aha or the luster of finding out that Darth Vader is, is Luke's father. But I think what you gain is is more important. I feel like um, gaining that backstory, understanding where Darth Vader came from, it makes you sympathize more with the uh, with the bad guy more so than you would if you just go in blind. Um, I feel like you get that from the prequels, um, but you won't have that going in if you don't watch those first. There's actually there's a podcast called Blink Check where they did a whole season on watching The Phantom Menace as if the other Star Wars movies don't exist. It's fascinating how much is not actually explained in Phantom Menace. When you watch that movie, you have to know about Star Wars. So even though it's a prequel, it does not stand on its own. I would very much like to see the reaction of an adult today watch The Phantom Menace without having seen the other films just to get their reaction. Oh, boy. Um about midway through Attack of the Clones, that would be tough for some people, a lot of people to sit through, I think, unless you don't know the kind of know where it's going. So it does have the benefit of you know where it's headed and where it's leading to. So sitting through, you know, the love story stuff in Attack of the Clones is more bearable because of that. Well, I will always stand by theatrical order. So Okay. And so now when the special editions came out, I was still a huge, huge Star Wars fan, especially like as a teenager, Star Wars is amazing. Right. And so when the special editions came out, my friends and I, we dressed up. We went to a triple feature in the theaters and saw all three, even though we owned these movies at home. Other than the Disney vault, not a lot of movies were re-released, not on 2000 screens, not on 3000 screens. There might be an art theater here and there that would have Das Boat, but not a lot of films had celebrated re-releases. But the Star Wars special editions were a huge event. I was with our friend Bob and we went to see Independence Day. And being before the internet, I didn't know that a trailer was out for a new version of Star Wars. And so when the trailer came on for the Star Wars special editions, Bob and I lost our damn minds. <laughs> <laughs> it was so exciting. Like, yeah. oh my God, Star Wars again. And of course, you know, years later, we can say what we want about the special editions and we're going to. But we were so excited. I kind of hate it now. <laughs> I, so, what, I mean, what do you think about the special edition and, and constantly um, changing films? I feel like the special edition, um, overall, I like it. I don't like all of the changes, but um, changes that help push the narrative forward a little bit or give you a little bit more, um, you know, like yeah, in that Job of the Hut scene, I, I did like those, yes. Okay. But I do feel like there was... Definitely some overzealousness in the special editions a little bit in certain areas. But I think overall, Lucasfilm was buying their time, trying to wait for the technology to catch up to go into the prequels, trying to raise some capital and get some money before they jumped into that. Because if you think about it, they actually started pre-production on the prequels almost immediately after 
the special edition uh, trilogy. Lucas probably paid for The Phantom Menace from all the money he made from the special editions. Right. I think a lot of the hatred for the special editions comes from so many of the changes are remarkably unnecessary. Mm -hmm. And so if, if the special edition was removing matte lines, remastering, maybe even adding a few shots or deleted scenes here or there, but so many of the changes feel like they should not have been made. And it doesn't help that now, 25 years later, a lot of the CG looks really bad. And I know they keep tinkering, but some of it looked fairly bad back then and looks very much bad now. Yeah, I would, I would, a couple of things. So first off, I would say that the CGI was not where it is today. Um, and it does show the films, including the prequels, have not aged as well as even the original um, Star Wars trilogy. That being said, I understand in the special edition why they had to add technology pieces. Like, for example, when they're getting ready to enter the cantina, that is Luke and Obi-Wan, having things fly around, those little robots and mm -hmm. stuff. I think that was important because otherwise, if you go back in time and do the prequels, you have to make it less technologically advanced than more so because you're going in the past, right? So they had to show more technology and what we perceived as sort of the modern day of Star Wars that's part of the reason that I actually support those. I don't think adding those, you know, little things flying around and all that was actually unnecessary. Um, there are other things that I do think were unnecessary. Um, the singing yeah. number, the musical number? Yeah, the, the singing number in, in Return of the Jedi. Absolutely, that was not necessary. Right, okay. Um, I don't think it would be as much of a problem if the originals were readily available. I think that's a big part of the problem is that yeah. George Lucas or Lucasfilm, they've done their best to make it to where the original versions are pretty much inaccessible. I actually have on Laserdisc the originals. That was the most definitive release of those films, although you have to flip the disc. <laughs> okay, so for anyone who's under 45, uh, a Laserdisc is like a giant CD. <laughs> yes, that's correct. With MPEG-1 video, if you can imagine that. I actually rented a Laserdisc player from Hollywood Video once, back when you could rent players. And then the movie I got with it was uh, Escape from L.A. Wow. Okay. <laughs> There's a blast from the past. Carpenter. Yeah. yeah. Before we dive in and start eliminating films, I do want to ask, should people who call themselves fans always like everything that Star Wars puts out? Um... I feel like the word fan is not as strong as, as the word fandom. I sort of look at it as if you're a fan of something, you enjoy it at face value. But I think when you're talking about fandom, what that really is saying is that you have a relationship with the material um, and that relationship can end. What do you think about the people who were born, like say in the late 90s, early 2000s, who saw the prequels first and liked the prequels more? More, not even ironically. Kudos to them if that's how they fell in love with Star Wars. That's great. The prequels, I don't know if this is too early to talk about it, but there's really two major things that could have happened differently in the prequels that would have made them way better. The CGI, as much as badly as George want, wanted it to be there and as, as much effort and technology as he frankly created um, you know, uh, to, to make those films, it just wasn't. So there needed to be more reliance on a little bit more of the non-CGI stuff. Mm -hmm. um, some of the motion tracking, for example, when they're riding on the backs of some of the creatures, whether it's Obi-Wan riding that giant lizard. Um, and, oh, in episode three. In episode three or what have you. There's some opportunities there. So there's that piece. And then I also feel like there definitely is room for a love story in Star Wars. I feel like I don't think that it was the writing was there for the relationship, the, the love between Anakin and mm -hmm. Padme. 
I don't think Han and Leia have a great romance. If you watch those films, other than outside of the films, other than being told that they're in a relationship, there's not much in the films. There's a few witty lines of banter and the I love you exchange, of course. To me, at least, when you watch Empire and Jedi, there's not much that really even goes on between those two characters. I would say if you ask anybody that's seen the original trilogy where the romance was, they're going to answer those two characters. And I feel like they created that in such a way that it didn't need to be said or shown. You just kind of, you got that feeling that they were connected in that way. And I do think that one of the greatest love lines in cinematic history is the I love you and Han's response, I know, one of the greatest lines, you know, exchanges in in cinematic history. I just wonder if we hadn't been told there a couple, if we would even get much of a romance from that. Who does Leia kiss more in the original series, Han Solo or her brother? Is it equal? (laughs) Does she kiss them on the mouth? I think she kisses Han more, but not until you get to Jedi. I think. Does she even kiss him in Jedi? I think she does at the very end, I believe. It's like a soft kiss, if I'm not mistaken. But I could be wrong. While they're talking about her brother. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know about that. Let's eliminate some of these then. And so for me, right off the bat, Star Wars The Clone Wars, the animated film that was dumped in theaters. It didn't do very well. It was the first Star Wars property in theaters to not really perform. And... It's really just a a long pilot for the Clone Wars animated show that had a pretty rough start. I never really revisited it, uh, and I know it it definitely gained in popularity and respect, but I never watched the the Clone Wars. Yeah, I think the first obvious one to go would be the Clone Wars. Um, Something about the baby Java, or Java, Java, the baby Java, Jabba. (laughs) Should I keep all that? (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't, I don't. Something about the baby Jabba from the Clone Wars made it really too juvenile, I think. I'll be honest, when I saw The Clone Wars, the animated uh, pilot, essentially, in the theaters, I actually thought that the series wasn't going to be as successful as it was. That was a pleasant surprise. Now, it's not really up for selection, but let's talk briefly about the Christmas special. It's pretty well documented how horrible and stupid and ugly that (laughs) thing is. But it's bonkers, right? It's truly bizarre it's it's almost dialogue free like the wookies speak in their dialect and and they're not subtitled and one of them watches donna summer i think Uh, he watches like disco music videos yeah yeah i think so the the biggest thing for the christmas special for me is it was the introduction of albeit and uh you know animation form but it was the introduction of boba fett that's the only thing that saves that the Boba Fett cartoon, which is available on Disney Plus, by the way. You can actually watch that original cartoon. Just the cartoon, though, not the whole thing. Correct. Yeah, that that Christmas special is just disastrous. <laughs> like, yeah. Other than cocaine, I don't know what they were thinking. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't either. There was no special edition that could save that. Before I eliminate my next one, let me ask you, is there any possibility that either one of us is not picking Star Wars, the original film? No, that's definitely on my list of three. And since we're looking at all these with a critical eye, even if we loved all of them, we have to get a little nitpicky. We have to come up with reasons to not select certain films. Is there anything about that first Star Wars film at all that you have any issue with, or is it perfect? Because I'm picky as hell, and and I think Um, it's pretty darn great. I have some issues I already talked about earlier with the special edition. Changing the fact that Han shoots first, that was was a nightmare. That's terrible. Snaggletooth's arm getting cut off and there being blood. 
that doesn't match anywhere else in the film. I don't think any other lightsaber cut has happened in, in, the, in the films where there's blood like that ever. Okay, so I did say we were going to get nitpicky, but I didn't imagine getting nitpicky about whether or not the lightsaber cauterizes a wound. Yeah. All right, so we've talked about the prequels a little bit already, and we'll get to those again. But let's talk about the sequel trilogy. So Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, and The Rise of Skywalker. I remember going... <laughs> I'm already laughing at this. I remember going to see The Last Jedi with you, and outside the movie theater, you stood there with your arms crossed, and you said, I don't think I like Star Wars anymore. That was a pretty big fight we had that night, Star Wars and I. Um, I was defending The Last Jedi, me of all yeah. people. In The Force Awakens, there's a scene where Rey walks down into a stairwell and she finds the saber in this chest and she's told that the saber has called to her. A very important plot point of that film. And then it, in The Last Jedi, there's really no answer. Um, and arguably, even in, into the final uh, film, the Rise of Skywalker, there's really no definitive answer. Why did that call there? I know what they say. Anybody can have the force. It's gonna so if I were to walk down there, Aaron, would the saber call to me, being Sean? I mean, does if, if it calls to anybody, what's so special about the saber? Why was there so much focus put on that moment? She was the chosen one. That's it. And I'll I'll say right now, spoilers, I don't like The Last Jedi or The Rise of Skywalker. I dislike them at different levels, but as far as The Force Awakens, I don't mind it calling out to her. She can be a nobody. And you and I have had an argument many, many times about right. Rey not being a Skywalker. The lightsaber called out to her because she's special. That's it. Right. It, but It does not have to be more than that. Here's the thing is that she technically really, if you pay attention to the films and read any of the canon material that's come since then, she really is a Skywalker. And, and what I mean by that is not just adopting the name. That's what pisses me off is that in The Rise of Skywalker, they never talk about the obvious connection that's there. They, they reveal Palpatine as being her grandfather. It's very evident that Palpatine manipulated, and I know people don't want to talk about the Metachlorians. He manipulated the Metachlorians to create life. He says... He even looks at Anakin when he does that and gives him to look like, that's what I did to create you. Like, how can you not interpret that that way? So if Anakin has been created by Palpatine and uh, Rey is the granddaughter of Palpatine, they're all connected, all of them. So people might argue that, but I think if anybody watches the films, they have to come to that conclusion. The Rise of Skywalker, in my opinion, it's not a very popular opinion, but it would have been a great end to the movie if they only did one thing. People don't like the fact that Palpatine came back. I love it. The one thing that they needed to do, though, is Palpatine need to, needed to say to Ray, I created Anakin. We're all connected. Or something, some line like that would have connected everything, made sense why she was the chosen one, made sense why Skywalkers were important. Because otherwise, if you just argue that she's the chosen one, then why the hell do we even care about what happened in all the movies before the Force Awakens. They don't have to all be related characters. That's great. Then go off and make Star Wars Rogue Squadron or whatever. But make they, a different Star Wars movie. They, but they don't if have it's to an be episodic movie, it's got to have a connective thread. You, the connective your, thread is the Star Wars your universe. First, your first book has to connect to your last book. There's got to be a payoff. It's got to be connected. Otherwise, just make a different Star Wars movie. If they weren't so focused on bringing Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill back, then that is kind of what they were going to do. Or that was another wasted opportunity. Man. Like, 
Well, yeah, they should have killed off all three of them in, the, in Force Awakens because the franchise should have been handed off to the new characters. It yes. Sh- it should not have been about a new Skywalker. I agree with you. I do agree with you on that. That's the one problem with The Force Awakens. I do think it was a great film. They should have focused more on the original characters and then did the handoff in that film. Yeah. I agree. And then had the last two be about the new characters. I yeah. completely agree with you on that. Look at The Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker specifically and the way they use or fail to use the new characters. All the screen time that they give to Leia or Luke Skywalker could have been given to any one of those other characters to develop them more. And instead, we get a great introduction and then nothing. They don't do anything of value with any of those characters, and it's such a waste. And even in the third one, trying to bring Palpatine back into it, I know they needed a hook, but you still... You're trying to hang on to legacy characters. Instead, they should have just let them go on their own adventure. And getting into the specifics of, of the films they did make, so like Rise of Skywalker, it's just a video game. It's just a constant fetch quest that doesn't make any sense. Like when they land in the sand and they sink and they just happen to be in the exact right spot and they find that dagger that lines up with the Death Star records. <laughs> the Rise of Skywalker was just a bloated waste. Trying to give Kylo Ren a redemptive arc? No. He killed Han Solo. No. He yeah, had he one didn't. chance in Last Jedi to be good, and then he didn't. And that's it. Like, no, don't have Rey kiss him at the end like it means something. No. Agreed. And if you look at it from my point of view, there was actually a second incestual kiss um, in the Star Wars films, and that was when um, when Kylo kissed Rey because Kylo is the uh, offspring of Anakin, ultimately, and uh, Anakin was created by uh, Palpatine. But Anakin was not officially created by Palpatine. That's, that's he my, was, that's in my, my opinion. opinion. No, no, that, that, your opinion isn't official. Uh, if you look at what the minute then in episode three, the opera scene. Um, when, no, I know, I know the part you're talking about. he talks about, about manipulating metachlorines to create life, the way that he says life yeah, and looks at him. did, but never answered or explained. 100% that's the answer yeah. for me. Well, I will say. If, if that isn't the answer, then we're talking about a fandom argument that could result in a divorce from the material for me. So for me, that is how important it is. What I had expected, even coming out of Force Awakens, I had predicted that Rey would be a good Palpatine because I was thinking about yin and yang and bringing balance to the Force. And a lot of times people think bringing balance to the Force means eliminating the Sith. That's not balance. When only one side is left, that's not balance. And so it made sense if Rey was a good Palpatine and Kylo was a bad Skywalker, that their offspring would be the balance. By the time Last Jedi ended, that whole idea was ruined. To me, that just made sense. And I don't subscribe to the Grey Jedi. I know that's in a lot of other media. But the Grey Jedi are not in the films. And I only care about what's in the films. There was a, a scene uh, in The Rise of Skywalker where there's some jet-packed stormtroopers that fly up. You mean and, they fly now? Yeah. And that was they <laughs> should, and they should, already, they should already know that. Because in the comics that are canon, they have seen them fly before. Well, never mind the comics, just even contextually in the film itself. Like, they have jetpacks. They have space travel. Who cares right. if they have jetpacks? I, my, Why are you surprised by this? My thought process is that was a clever line that was put in by J.J., but that tells me in that moment, you're taking on a property this big and trying to continue the lore. You're not fully respectful of the other material out there that is Star Wars, that is canon, um, and not having George involved 
that tells me that JJ didn't take that level of of concern with with the details. He only really cared about making a good movie. When it comes to Star Wars, you can't just care about making a good movie. You have to honor everything that's come before and everything that's canon. And I'm you got to be able disagree. to do both. You got to be able to do no. both. I disagree with both of those points. Actually, like I don't agree that he made a good movie, <laughs> and I don't think that he has to honor any of the materials. I think all that matters is the movies. That's it. Like especially with say like the Matrix or any of these other properties where you tell me, oh, you have to watch a short film or read a comic. No, I'm watching the movie. That's it. And it's great if there are other ways to connect to that material. Like it's nice that you might have that other input, but movies have to be judged on their own. The movie right. is the movie. And Rise of Skywalker was just a terrible attempt at course correction because so many people dislike The Last Jedi. Are you aware of what the sequel trilogy was going to be if George's vision had been used? No. It was going to double down on midichlorians. Oh, goodness. And it was going to be a, a micro type level story of some kind. I don't know if they were going to shrink it would have been about other characters that were that small. Wait, wait, like, like Horton Hears a Who? <laughs> yeah. You, you can look it up. I think we've talked around it enough. It's pretty obvious, at least to me, I think we're both crossing off Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker. Yes, that is correct. As far as Last Jedi, one little thing I will say, though. Ryan Johnson, I understand what he wanted to do and what he was attempting. And it's a very well-made movie. It's super pretty. Visually, it's a, a very pretty film. My main issue with Last Jedi, other than the Mary Poppins moment in space, is that it didn't leave you with a sense of wanting more. It closed all the doors that Force Awakens opened, and there was no sense of, I want to know what comes next. It didn't feel final as in the end of the series, but it, it did feel final in regards to what the Force Awakens had set up. And right. so there was nothing to look forward to. I had no questions. Right. I, if you look at the original trilogy, they all end in ways where you want to know what comes next. Last Jedi, I had nothing. There was nothing else to think about when I left the theater. Yeah, I, I agree. The issue is, and you can even find quotes from George Lucas saying this, is that the Star Wars films, are, it's a family story. It's a story about the Skywalkers. And it feels like it ended that story. I hear what you're saying. It felt like that was the end. Like They could have actually ended on that with the kid getting the broom at the mm -hmm. end. Okay, now there's going to be a new generation of Jedi. Yeah. It almost felt like that could have been the end. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's what Ryan Johnson was in his own way, was trying to sneak under the radar, is just let me just end this thing and blow it up. I don't think it helped The Last Jedi that it was such a direct sequel. Indiana Jones and Star Wars films, they do a bit of a time jump. Each one is, is a yes. contained story. So Star Wars, Empire, and Jedi, and even the prequels within each film within the Star Wars universe, they are their own A to B story. And right. With Last Jedi picking up exactly where Force Awakens ended, I thought I think that was a huge mistake. Yeah, I do too. I feel like they could have done a time jump. Yeah, a time jump I think would have helped. Yeah. Let's talk about the Star Wars story films. So Rogue One and Solo. I don't have a whole lot to say about Solo other than I think Ron Howard is a boring director and the movie's ugly. It looks like it was shot through a dirty screen door. Ron Howard came in to a very difficult situation with that film. Oh, for sure. Like he was, I don't want to say that he was uh, taking over a sinking ship, but when you fire the directors of a $200 million movie while it's in yeah. production, obviously he just came in and just picked up whatever he could to salvage the operation. Yeah. But the thing is he was behind the camera. He could have turned on a light switch. Agreed. I think it, it was, that was a budgetary. You can see it in the old Rocky movies as they didn't have budget to get the fill the stadiums. Mm -hmm. They're just dark behind like, 
five rows of people, you know. Yeah, but Solo is the opposite, but, though. The characters are in silhouette, and you can see what's behind them. Like everybody's it, it, it was, You could tell it was just on a soundstage. I agree with you. It could tell it, it, 90% of the movie was shot like on a soundstage or something. It just felt claustrophobic. I completely agree. I feel like there would have been opportunity to, to leverage the budget differently that would have really helped visually. It wasn't, I don't think, in the performances uh, so much as it was in sort of the claustrophobic feeling of of the film itself. So I agree. I would take Solo off the list. Um, I would not remove Rogue One, though. I think Rogue One is one of the is one of the better Star Wars films. I feel like if there's one common thread between how Solo turned out and how the sequel trilogy holistically turned out. It's Kathleen Kennedy. I think she's did not honor the material, didn't know enough about it, came in without a plan, and the movies faltered for that. On the other side of that coin, I would also say that she did arguably become responsible for saving Rogue One and turning it into one of the better Star Wars films. I would definitely go along with crossing Solo off, but not Rogue One. Oh, see, I think Rogue One is boring. It's it's like the worst getting the band back together movie. Production-wise, though, I love the world that they built for Rogue One. But the movie is just a bore. When the most interesting character is the robot, it's not a good movie. The fan service is pretty well done, but I do not like Rogue One. Okay. So, well, our first disagreement. Yeah. So we will but, cross that off. I am not going to cross Rogue One. So if, if you are keeping Rogue One, does that mean Force Awakens is getting crossed off? Yeah, I think that the Force Awakens from the sequel trilogy was the best of the three. But I would still cross it off, okay. yes. I'm hanging on to that for now. At the start, we did touch upon the the prequels and their reception. I'm just going to lump all three of them together. Do you want to keep any of them? I will say that Revenge of the Sith, I do feel like, was one of the better Star Wars films. Each of the prequel movies got better, but the first one, Phantom Menace, is so boring. I, I saw it 12 times in theaters. I'm not ashamed. And I, never, I didn't even like it back then. It was just more like yeah. habit. A buddy of mine would invite me to go see Star Wars and we'd play chess at Starbucks. That's how we spent that summer, going to see The Phantom Menace and drinking coffee and playing chess. And I saw Phantom Menace 12 times. The Phantom Menace, I like the pod race scene. Yeah, the pod race scene is great. everything else, it's not as easy for me to sit through. I accept it as part of the, of the story, but I would absolutely cross off that one. And then Attack of the Clones... Because I think the romance story wasn't done that well. Yeah. I, can, I can cross that one off as well. I did like the arena battle, but I would say the Phantom Menace and Tackle the Clones, I can agree to cross off, but I'm not ready to cross off Revenge of the Sith just yet. But does Revenge of the Sith make sense without the other two films? So if you don't have Attack of the Clones and the Phantom Menace, could you watch yeah, Revenge I, of the Sith? I don't. I think there's obviously, you look at them more as standalone. I look at episodes one through nine as one continuous film. Oh, God. I do not. But <laughs> okay. as it stands right now, Sean has the original series and then Revenge of the Sith and Rogue One remaining. You got to get rid of two. I'm going to make some people a little mad right now because so I have four left. I have the original trilogy and The Force Awakens. I am keeping The Force Awakens, which means one of the original trilogy is going to go. Well, for me, that would be Return of the Jedi. I'll cross that off right For me, now. it's Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Oh, I'm surprised you agree with me, actually. I thought you would end up with just the original three. No, I think Return of the Jedi was good, but I actually think Revenge of the Sith was better than Return of the Jedi. That's a shocker. Like, I, I just felt my stomach drop when you said that. Oh, man. Okay. Uh, you actually think... <laughs> I'm sorry. Revenge of the Sith is better than Return of the Jedi? Yeah, with the exception of some of the CG. Like, again, that's another 
area that they should have done it differently um, where they're on the little floating <laughs> rocks in Sorry. the lava river and jumping around. That okay. was, that was, that was not good. But I do think that Revenge of the Sith was a tad better than Return of the Jedi. Okay. So is it safe to say we're both keeping Empire? Yes. Okay. That means we both have Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back. You need to decide between Revenge of the Sith and Rogue One. My perspective is that Revenge of the Sith doesn't really make sense without the other films existing. Without Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, what is Revenge of the Sith? I know that the scenario we are presented with for this podcast makes it a little difficult to choose really good sequels, but just thinking about what occurs in that film, does it make sense without having Attack of the Clones and The Phantom Menace? For me, that's a question that doesn't weigh on my decision at all. Oh, because really? again, okay. I, again, I view it all as one film, so you can't take a part of it out. So that being said, if I had to throw out Revenge of the Sith or Rogue One, well, you have to. I would have to give the slight edge to Rogue One. One critic wrote when Rogue One came out that this is the prequel we always wanted. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I will give it that, especially given the quality of the actual prequels. Because Rogue One, I will always give it credit for its visuals and its aesthetics because they did such a great job recreating that world. But the problem is the characters in the story. So Sean's three surviving films are Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, and Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. But as far as my selections, now playing this week at Valley West Cinemas are Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, and Star Wars The Force Awakens. What do you think? Let us know on Twitter at VWestCinemas. If you'd like to support the show, please visit patreon.com slash valleywestcinemas. And of course, please rate and review wherever you listen to this podcast. Those ratings help the show a bunch, and they're very, very much appreciated. I'm your host, Aaron. My guest today was Sean. And we'll see you at the movies.